Welcome back into the mental game. I'm your host, Brandon Seho. And before we get started, I just want to wish everyone at home a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. If you're watching on YouTube, you can still see I have my Hootay stash. My Cincinnati Bengals are 5-0, undefeated since I started growing the mustache, so I can't shave it until they lose. My guest today is rapper Cal Scrooby, and in this episode, Cal and I talk a lot about his music career, the ups and downs out in L.A. as he signed his first record deal early on in his music career, then went independent these past few years. We also dive into Cal's own battle with depression and anxiety. You hear about it in his music, and he really opens up in a great conversation that I can't wait to share with you. But before we get started, let's kick things off with this week's Mental Health Tip of the Week, powered by 1 in 5, and it is all about starting conversations. It's essential to start the conversation about mental health, whether you are initiating or being the listener. Talking about mental health destigmatizes negative connotations surrounding it and creates safe spaces for open dialogue surrounding mental health. If you are the receiver, make sure to be an active listener for the person who is discussing their mental health struggles. Restate your support for them and ask how you can help them with their struggles. And for you, don't be afraid to speak up about your own mental health struggles with those in your support system. Respect and clear communication are key to a successful conversation about one's mental health struggles. And if you or someone you know needs help finding mental health resources or a therapist, go ahead and scan the QR code in the bottom right corner of your screen. It'll be up the entire episode, and it'll take you directly to One in Five's homepage, where their mission is to prevent suicide by stopping the stigma and starting the conversation. Now it is time for the latest conversation on the mental game with rapper Cal Scrooby. Welcome back into the mental game. I am here in LA with my good friend, Cal Scrooby. I appreciate you doing this, my man. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. First thing I ask everyone, and I've known you for a long time, so I think this is probably going to be a pretty good answer, but what does mental health mean to you and how have you been able to use it as a tool in your life and in your career? You know, I think life is full of up and downs. That's easy to say. And I think it's about um, finding a balance uh, the, the right mix of whatever it is that like makes you happy. You got to understand that like, you're not going to feel that happiness mm -hmm. every second of every day. So it's about finding that balance where, you know, you can maintain and like keep your relationships and better yourself and, and, you know, like stay focused on like goals and everything in the future. We're going to go through your early life, your career, one of the things that stands out to me is the song My Anxiety that you have. What went into writing that song? And can you take me through kind of the backstory of you dealing with anxiety and depression? So uh, I was in a situation early in my career with a management company that we just didn't have the same vision. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really, it was a lot of me uh, feeling like I wasn't being the person in my private life that I was trying to be my professional life. So it was like this disconnect. And I kind of uh, realized that, but but didn't necessarily have like the courage or the tools to do anything about it. So uh, I started to kind of just go into like a darker place where didn't feel like I was being myself, didn't feel like I was going where I wanted to go with my career and with mm -hmm. my life. So really I just used the music as like a tool. I, like used it you know as therapy it was cathartic to finally like take a little bit of power away from all my insecurities and my anxiety to to try to like 
put it into words, take the emotions and put them into words. And, uh, you know, honestly, it, I was just venting. I didn't expect that song to even be a song. Mm-hmm. I made it as like a freestyle. I put it out over a beat that like I couldn't have sold. So I didn't expect it to ever like make any money. I didn't do it to like, I didn't do it necessarily to like connect with anybody either. I just did it because I was like, man, this fucking sucks. And I need to like take some power away from like how much this hurts. So to like voice it and then have people connect with it and still to this day connect with it has done so much for me just to like know that there's a lot of other people out there that feel the same way. And I'll I'll admit that is a song that I connected with because I mean, you know, my backstory, I went through depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, all that. So hearing songs like that, that you can connect with, you mentioned therapy music for me. I'm not a musician, but it is like therapy for me. When I go to a concert like yours, or I told you Marky Bass is one of my favorite artists, going to a concert like that, it is like therapy for me. Can you feel that with your fans when they're in the crowd singing every word and, and a song like that comes on or something that might be more intimate, not as much of a, I don't know, a, a song that's going to you know get the bass going, get the crowd going crazy. Right. Can you feel that connection like it is therapy? Yeah, you know. I think that's the time in a show when I'm trying to make the most like personal connections with the fans, like looking at people in the eye mm-hmm. and like rapping the worst them. Cause you can kind of see like when people really connect with that song, you, you can tell in the crowd, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely I, I feel like that's a moment when I don't care about it being banging. Like I don't care about people, you know, people aren't going to be jumping around. That's not what that song's for. Mm-hmm. Um, but like usually this last tour run that we did, you know, I looked at that song. I'm like, where do I put this in the set? I put it right in the middle. And, uh, when I was talking to fans about it, I was like, I have to do, I have to perform this song because this is the one artists always look at a song. That's the one is like their biggest song. Like this is the one that is the Mm -hmm. song that breaks. But for me, it was, that was the one because it was the song that let me start making music that is me like that let me be myself and it started connecting me with fans who accepted me for me um i didn't have to put on like a show or a mask anymore so i think that's what that song really did for me um recently like going through a difficult time in my life i've used other people's music to to do the same Mm -hmm. thing for me and i kind of forgot what that felt like just because for a couple years i was just so like i just had tunnel vision yeah my music and so I finally started listening to more music this year. And I realized that like music can take your brain down a different path. Mm-hmm. You know, our brains like we pave these paths and we so then like you go down, you hard pave this path in your brain where like every time you start to feel uh, anxious, you go down this way, you know, like and mm-hmm. that can often lead to like a pretty dark place. But I realized that like listening to other people's music can kind of like have your brain tell a different story, maybe take a little turn yeah. so you don't end up in the same place. So yeah. now like me going through that again and using mu- other people's music, yeah. it helped me understand like how my fans feel about yeah. my stuff. Yeah. And you talk about using other people's music to kind of help you go through tough times. You know, you and I, you know, kind of went through similar things, breakups in a public eye. We don't, you know, get into our our, our relationships publicly. But I mean, how tough is that? Because I know for me, like I had to fake it on camera during 
the biggest moments of my career. You know, the Bengals on the way to the Super Bowl, and you know, I'm interviewing Joe Burrow, whoever it is, and I'm going through all this shit that people don't know at home, and I'm just trying to fake it. Did you feel like you had to kind of put on a front while you're going through your own personal stuff the past year? I mean, I think everybody feels that way. You know, if you go to your whatever job you have and you're going through some personal shit, like, yeah, a lot of people will put on the mask. I feel like, you know, I've always done that with different things in my life. It was just another another aspect of my life that I had to kind of deal with, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, lucky for me, you know, those life experiences can kind of like, you know, lead into more music or mm -hmm. or different topics in the music. So, you know, it is a cathartic process to like to write about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it also I've I've realized that like I feel invincible when I'm going through some shit and I'm still able to have a regular day. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I can like get up and do my stuff and do my laundry and like hit a workout yeah. and just like eat three square meals. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes that takes like a Herculean effort to do that mm -hmm. and at the end of the day you're exhausted and you're like like why am i so tired from basically doing nothing all day yeah. but then you wake up the next day you realize you survived another day and after doing that you know so many days in a row you kind of feel you feel strong mm -hmm. like you feel capable of dealing with like whatever life throws at you yeah and then you can start to work your job and your relationships like into your life again and and you feel capable you talked about music being therapy. Have you gone to therapy? Have you seen a therapist when you've gone through stuff? And if you have, when did that start? And was it hard to do? Because for me, it took 12 years to get into that. Yeah. And it's one of the best decisions, if not the best decision I ever made. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for therapy. I started last July. Mm -hmm. And really, like, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know anything about it. I just yeah. knew that I needed to, like, unpack the things that are going through my head because yeah. like I think the story you know one technique or whatever that a lot of therapists use is like this story I'm telling myself mm -hmm. funny enough my therapist has never said that to me but um yeah so like the the story I'm telling myself a lot of a lot of the time is not the truth yeah. you know it's not reality and and me as like a textbook overthinker um that can be a dangerous thing for me yeah you know just like getting in this paralysis um of like fear and anxiety without talking about it without having somebody like a safe place to mm -hmm. really unpack that it can it can really become like a bad thing i i kind of compare therapy to to like if you're cleaning out a utility closet yeah it just has a bunch of shit from years and years from a bunch of junk yeah. good, whatever it yeah. is like all just piled into one exactly so you so the first thing you do is take everything out of the closet mm -hmm. you don't like well, that's the way you're supposed to do it right well you don't <laughs> well you don't go into the you can't it's not effective to go into a corner of the closet and drag one piece of shit and, out yeah and, and be like and just look through the stuff while it's on the shelf and, yeah. and be like oh yo i want to keep this this is worth it and then this is trash the best way to do that is to dump all the stuff out of the closet then you can look at it and be like, this is trash, keep mm -hmm. this. So now you start to make a pile of things you need to keep. Yeah. You make a pile of things you need to throw away. So for me, it was like, I found all these things that I can throw away. And then I found a bunch of shit that was still worth keeping. Mm -hmm. And so then when you when you package that, the stuff you want to keep, you put it 
back up in the closet and you look in there, you're like, it's not bad. Yeah. You know, like at first you're like, this, this is all shit in here. Yep. I'm full of shit. Yep. And then once you get rid of all the junk, then you're like, I got some nice things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's, um, what's been the hardest thing for you to go through? I mean, you've been in the music game for a long time. You went to King's High School in Cincinnati. You and I have a Cincinnati connection. You went to Ohio State, got a degree, came out, been doing this since, in L.A. since when, 2015? 15, 15, okay. Yeah. So since you were 24, 25 years mm -hmm. old, you've been in it for a little bit now. I imagine some of the baggage that comes with the music business has been tough for you, but what have been maybe a couple or the toughest thing, it, whatever you want to share, that you've had to go through and have to use those tools, go through that closet, and been able to move on from? Yeah, I mean, I think we struggle mostly with our own expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the main character of our own stories, and we kind of, as much as we try to practice empathy and stuff, where life is... Uh, is naturally a pretty narcissistic yeah. experience because it's just a first person character right. experience. So it, it's hard to uh, it's it's hard to like have your own expectations and your own goals, mm -hmm. and then realize that the only thing you can control is your own thoughts and actions. Yeah, you know, like that's all that you really have. Um, you know, in your tool belt everything else like all your all the things that you want to happen a lot of those things aren't going to happen mm -hmm. um and how you deal with that kind of determines the rest of your life and i think that that's really what i've had to learn over the over time as i mature is that like i don't have control over a lot of these things right and especially being in the music industry and having to like build a team uh doing this independent that's kind of how I learned. That's kind of how I had, uh, I want to say early success, but it's not early success. It's like recent success. Right. But that's like my true independent career is more recently. And, you know, I think having control over so many aspects of the business and of my career, I had to eventually learn to let go of some of those things mm -hmm. and understand that like all the little shit is not that important. Yeah. And, you know, years like, I'm three years into really my true independence and looking back, there's a lot of shit that I was freaking out over that just doesn't matter. Anymore. Yeah. I can't even remember it. So I think like placing value on our experiences, um, everything in the present seems way bigger than it probably is. You being someone that was a young aspiring musician, you get signed, you get to come out and, and make a song with Chris Brown, you get to shoot all these cool videos. You look a little bit different now than, <laughs> than I remember in those videos. What was what was the difference between you then and you now? Deep down, I know you're still the same same guy that I've known for almost 10 years, but what's what was the difference there? How did you see yourself grow? And Because I think there's probably a lot of, like you were 10 years ago, a lot of young, aspiring musicians that are going to watch this. And they need to know kind of the journey that they're going to go on, what they're going to face. Can you just walk me through kind of Cal back then, Cal to now, what, what kind of changed, what you went through? Yeah, I mean, Cal back then didn't know, like, what was cool. Mm -hmm. And so I was always trying to be what I thought was cool. And what I thought was cool kind of was determined by what other people thought was cool. Right. Um, and as cliche, cliche as it is to say, you know, as you get older, you realize that the coolest thing you can do is be yourself. 
that is the cheesiest way. No, it is, to but put it's it. true. Yeah, but it's the truest thing because like you get that energy from people when they're just comfortable with being themselves and they're yeah. comfortable with like their flaws and their weaknesses, um, just as comfortable as they are with their strengths. And you know, so for me to to realize that all the things that I was chasing, all the like admiration from peers and stuff, mm-hmm. all the like a lot of that shit I didn't even care about. Yeah, you know, st- like style for me. Like comfortability trumps style every time. Mm -hmm. It just always does. And I think early in my career, I was like, I think I had to look a certain way. Um, I felt like the music I made had to sound a certain way. I felt like I had to talk about certain topics. Yeah. Um, And I think eventually I just got worn out trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing when you realize and you look in the mirror that you're not being you and then you're able to change that. It has to be rewarding, which is where I want to go next. How rewarding has this last two, three years been being able to be your true self, make that music, go on the road, tour, see people sing the music that you made that's straight from you. How rewarding has that been for you? I mean, it feels good to bet on yourself and and win. Right. And there's been plenty of times, even over the last like three years where I've bet on myself and lost, but I can't think of them. Yeah, You know, like, it, they mattered a lot in the moment. Like, they bothered me a lot in the moment. But now, like, that's not the stuff that, that you know, resonates with me. I think it's just nice to feel accepted by uh, a group of people who take me for me. You right. know what I mean? I, I There's a poster that I have in the back that says there's going to be a million people that love Alan Iverson. There's going to be a billion people that hate Alan Iverson. Concentrate on the ones that care about you and keep stepping. Yep. And that was actually, I had that poster, not that exact poster. Like uh, this is, I bought this on eBay and had it framed because it meant so much to me. Cause I threw away the one when I was moving out of college, I had that in the corner of my room. Yeah. My brother gave that to me. And that's the reason for my first mixtape. It's called Best Foot Forward. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I went through a breakup at that time and was just, kind of like I had all the space and time in my life so I was reinventing myself um but I think that's like that's been such a major part of my relative success in my career Mm -hmm. it's just understanding that like I don't make music for everybody yeah like I don't I'm not out here I'm not a pop star I'm not trying to be accepted by everybody I'm not unique lyrics I would say some some lyrics are unique pretty unique (laughs) and unique visuals for sure um (laughs) Yeah, niche, you know, yeah. like it's it is what it is. But you and I have some of the same humor, so I appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's like that's really the benefit of uh, of like true independence is you have a little more artistic integrity where you don't have to get like I don't have to convince you know my video guys or graphic guys or or anybody with a budget. Yeah. I don't have to convince them that this is a good idea and this song's gonna do well mm-hmm. because. I don't care if the song does well. You know what I mean? Like, I hope it does well. Yeah. It'd be great. But, like, that's not the purpose of me shooting the video. I remember on my last project, the song, the biggest song off of it, I played it for, like, five people before the project dropped, and none of them liked it. So I moved the song to, like, 13th or 14th on the album. I made it, like, an interlude because it was just a little shorter. And then I shot a video for it anyways because I liked it. And then the video has, like, five million views so just having faith in like the things that i like and trusting that people there are people out there that will find it and like it is a good feeling what's the song it's uh money by drugs 
Okay. Yeah, that was a very good video. Yeah. Very, very unique too. It was, it was like a forty dollars video. But shout out to Kavika and uh, <laughs> and Adam because they crushed it. Let's talk about you talking about kind of low budget, which brings me back to where we kind of met, which would be the self diploma days back in Cincinnati. Shout out Sean, yeah. Eddie, all those guys that got that started. A lot of good people that work in this business, work in entertainment, myself working TV or working sports, all kind of came out of that promoting bars in Cincinnati and Columbus. Right. I remember your first big song. I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the title. I should. Is it, was it "Fucks with You"? Fucks with me. Fucks yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you look back at that kid that made that video, like, what do you remember, like, about that? So, so, like, I, you know, it's funny when people. I can't want, believe I just fucked that up. <laughs> no, no. When people want me to um, play like older songs at shows and shit, uh, I'm like, man, I don't like this because like I hear my like mic presence and shit and like my mixing and stuff at the time, yeah. and it's kind of like. If you're, you know, like if you're a journalist or if you're a writer or whatever. Yeah. And you look back at. Like, On my first live shot when yeah, I was like go. 21. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. No way. No. So when you look back at things that you like, it, you know, if I look back at papers that I wrote when I was in high school, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a way better writer now. Like right. I had a teacher who kept a bunch of my papers and stuff and I, re I read them and I was like disappointed. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, I'm so much better than this. Yeah. So like, so that's kind of how I feel when I look at all my old shit. But the one thing, especially about that video, and shout out to Dan Gotti because Dan Gotti was a uh, he was a videographer in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. No. I... And he, um, yeah, he he was one of the guys that like encouraged me to to kind of like let that weird side out. Yeah. And he's like, dude, wear a robe. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like wear those glasses. Sure. It was a great video. Yeah. I yeah. And he, he crushed the video. But like, I think it was just fun. Like that video was fun for me. I shot it with my friends. Um, obviously, like I didn't, I had no idea what the hell I was doing, and I still really don't. But like following that kind of model, where it's just like, man, let's just go have fun. Yeah. Like, let's just go, like, let's enjoy this. You know, let's like have a vision and go execute it. But like, it, you know, the job will feel like a job at certain mm -hmm. times. There's sometimes when you don't want to perform. You know, it's like five shows in five days. Right. And you're tired and you're going through some shit in your personal life. It's not yeah. always the best time. Every job is a job. That's why yeah. you get paid to do it. But like on on days like that, you got to just let loose and like enjoy it a little bit. I'll ask you this because you talk, we've talked about it. You know, both of us going through stuff, other, you know, artists, entertainers, whatever they are, go through shit every day. But when you meet fans and I think, and we're sitting in your studio and you've got, you know, packs that you're sending out to fans with shirts decals whatever it is i think you have a really really i don't know if cult following is the right word but a really direct fan base that connects with you you connect with them and you do some cool stuff which you know you can find on your instagram page and on twitter why do you feel like those fans have been able to connect with you so much and do you think it is i don't know how to ask this the right way is it rewarding or cool to see that they've stuck with you through everything that's the best part is like there's I got fans when I come home to Cincinnati who have been coming to my shows since I was opening for Time Flies in Columbus. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've literally been going to every Cincinnati show for like 10 years and they're in the front row right. at, at every one. So it's it's rewarding because I like I develop I get to develop relationships with these people because I feel like, you know, it's important to develop a sense of community. I'm not a very social person i'm, I'm mm -hmm. like an introvert um I think, I think most people find surprising when you're an artist I, yeah i think they i think <laughs> i think they do actually find it like surprising because um 
of how what eccentric some of my videos are you know like some of my like my personality and stuff is like yeah it seems very like bubbly and fun and whatever um but but then there's times you know that i kind of need to like shut down and just like be by myself yeah but it's important to develop like this sense of community because you know I, i feel like if people show you love then Mm -hmm. like they deserve love right in return you know so like i want to give my time and energy to people who give me their or are willing to give me yeah their time and energy um so i think like being selective with the fucks that you have to give is like a very important part of like having Mm -hmm. balance and like finding a sense of community well kudos to you because i know you always interact with your fans and you have like i said a very intimate following so You know, people who aren't, and I'm not even close to where you're at, but people meet you one time or get to talk to you one time. And so if you're having a shitty day, like, you might just want to pass it off and, like, move on, but that's their one moment. Like, I had somebody tell me that they met someone that I knew in the business, and they were an asshole. I'm like, that dude's one of the best dudes. It's like, oh, they probably met that person on their one bad day, and he didn't take a picture or say, hey – and that's what they remember. So, like, do you think that kind of fuels you to do that stuff too, where you know it's going to make somebody's day, and it's it can be taxing, but it's also rewarding because it comes full circle with the stuff we already talked yeah, about. Yeah, you know, it, it is tough sometimes because that is your like that personal interaction can be somebody's first or, or their only impre- right. impression of you. Um, so, like I was saying, if you if I'm doing a bunch of shows in a row, and then one thing I like to do is just stay after the show, like around the merch table and if people want to stay and take a picture and say what's up or yeah. talk to me about whatever then they can um and that's rewarding because again like you get to develop personal relationships mm-hmm. with people and i mean i know a lot of my fans by name and it's cool when like i'll meet somebody and they'll tell me that what their name is and i'm like what's your twitter and they'll right. tell me that's Twitter. i'm like all oh, right yeah but, you yeah. know what i mean so um so yeah i mean it it's definitely rewarding to like have that personal connection with people um I don't know. It's I think turning it on and off is the most difficult part for me. Yep. Cuz I think you know when I'm having a when I it, when I'm just physically exhausted even it's difficult to to like mentally and emotionally be there um and be present but you but you know you have to like turn it on and you know you have to kind of like smile and right. And it doesn't mean that like you don't appreciate it. It doesn't mean that 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 the love isn't there that day. It's just that like you know that you're over capacity at the moment. Yeah. You know that like when I when you get back to your hotel room that I don't want to have a conversation for days. You know, <laughs> right? Like, we gotta take care of your own health. Yeah. And that's that's part of this taking care of mental health. By the way, I, you talked about Twitter connecting with people. You know, I lost my cousin Ben before the Bengals Titans game, and you were one of the first people to reach out to me on Twitter. So on a personal note, thank you for that because that was super cool for me course, to see because we listened to your music together. So that was cool for me. Speaking of music. I don't know how much I can say. I don't know when this is going to air in the next month or two. Yeah. But you're working on new music. I'll, let, I'll leave it open to that. Yeah. What can you tell people about what you're working on and what they can look forward to? From hopefully, hopefully it'll be out. If it if it's not out, then I, <laughs> I kind of then I miss my own deadline. Um, I mean, I'm always working on new stuff, but I think one thing that's important for everybody to know, and it's hard to say this. I think most artists wouldn't want to say this, uh, but. Not every artist makes music effortlessly. Yeah. You know, I think like I will go through, I went through months this year where I was like, I I lost it. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, I have nothing. I have nothing. I'm like, maybe it's, 
maybe I just like don't have the drive anymore because like now I have residuals and and I'm more comfortable or you know maybe I just don't have like the life experiences that I need to yep. like really put it into music or maybe I just don't love music or maybe like I mean I went through some months this year where I was just like I suck yeah. can't write shit and I mean like not a thing like not four bars mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, to, to give myself like to finally build enough personal momentum in the workplace to like, to get a project, to, to get the shape of the project and the vision of the project and then start to execute piece by piece is super rewarding. And, uh, I, but I think the, the best part of my job is like sharing that stuff Mm -hmm. with the fans, you know? So I'm still a person who believes in albums and album concepts, and uh, by the time this airs, there should be a new project out. So, <laughs> so let's let's hope that happens. But I still got a lot of work to do, but we're gonna make it happen. I'm excited for it. Last thing I'll ask you: we mentioned probably aspiring musicians and fans watching. What would be your one, maybe not biggest, but most important? I don't know how to say it the right way, but your biggest advice to someone that wants to follow your footsteps and get into the music business. Um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that shit can be cliche, cliche, (laughs) yeah. yeah. but it, but it is true. It's just like, I mean, you got, at the end of the day, you got to be yourself and you got to like, you understand that you're in control of your thoughts and actions. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's the first thing you need to get a grip on is like, you know, sometimes you, you're letting your thoughts run away. You got to find those tools, find out what works, uh, to get a grasp on that yeah. because that will determine your behaviors and your behaviors are going to determine your routine and your routine is going to determine like what you can accomplish in mm-hmm. your life. Like no matter what the industry is, but I'd say, man, that's the, the hardest part is everybody's a different puzzle and you got to solve your own puzzle. Nobody's going to solve it for you. Mm-hmm. And what works to solve my puzzle right doesn't work won't work to solve somebody else's puzzle Mm -hmm. maybe some little pieces of it yeah but you just got to figure out what that is you got to figure out if it's meditation exercise healthy eating talking to a therapist talking to your parents Mm -hmm. going out and having a drink with your buddies it's like you got to figure out what combination of things in your life uh make you more capable of solving your own puzzle then once you can do that you accept yourself and I think that's when, when your true self comes out, I think that's when you make your best work. So. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you having me to the home in L.A. Yeah. in the studio. Yeah, and thanks the music for coming, coming through, out man. Soon. Yeah. I'm excited about it. We'll see everybody back here next week on The Mental Game. And that was an awesome conversation with Cal out at his house in L.A. If you're wondering, his new album, Casino, just dropped earlier in December, so it is out now wherever you listen to music. Great album and great stuff from Cal there. Like I said, we had some history. Uh, We grew up in Cincinnati and we had some mutual friends. So I've been able to see him grow out in the music industry and see his career just skyrocket over the past few years. So it was super cool to have that conversation with Cal out there. Next week, we are sticking with the music theme with John Jones from the Eli Young Band. This was a really cool interview. I got to see the Eli Young Band perform here in Cincinnati earlier this summer. This conversation with John, we talk about them forming as a band in the same fraternity in college in Texas. What it's been like to have big hits in country music and also the humbling experience of not every song climbing the charts. That and much, much more coming up next week on The Mental Game. We'll see you then. <laughs>